Hi, and welcome to the World Networking Podcast. On this week's episode, we have Caleb Caparelli joining us to demonstrate his skills in the outdoors, situational awareness with work experience, and going through education from a different perspective of being in a small town and being in environments where most people are not typically in. Uh, there's a lot of people who take leadership roles and never do anything such as trail building or arborist work. Both two not so common jobs in the average pace of today. So if that's up your alley, feel free to listen as long as you'd like. I'm sorry that I've been very busy and the schedule is been a little all over the place we're actually going to be focusing on making this podcast more flexible versus the podcast panel that we're working on right now where that's going to be more of a fixed scheduling when we do figure it out so just stay tuned and i hope you guys enjoy and we'll get right into it thank you very much Hi, and welcome to the World Networking Podcast. Today we have Caleb here to introduce some subjects on the outdoors and different sides of life that the mountains bring and living in a small rural community can lead to with different economic changes and and the, the weather as well. Caleb, would you like to introduce yourself? Hi, so I'm Caleb Caparelli. I live in uh, Quincy, California. It's a small mountain town in Northern California, and it, it's definitely given me a unique perspective on life. What's one aspect of your background of education? So I, I went to the high school here, local high school. I graduated in 2018, and yeah, I went to FRC for half a year just one semester and decided that college was not the route for me. Decided to just lean fully into my work. And at the time I was working for the Feather River Land Trust, which was just like basically doing grounds management and a bunch of like restoration. There was a couple of times I had to break some beaver dams to help out some local ranchers, just really random stuff, honestly. But, yeah, I remember you pulling me out there actually to break one of the dams. That was a yeah. lot of fun. But yeah, man, those things are stacked. Yeah, it's uh, they build so quick. They build back in like a day, so it doesn't even really matter if you take them out or not. But it's oh. better than shooting the beaver. Yeah, yeah, no kidding. It's I know that there's a lot of conservation work that's been done in American Valley, um, at least to clean up the area, the habitat, and some of the seasons. Yep. A lot of what I did was, like, fencing. So we would just, like, go pull old fence lines, replace fence lines, put up, like, electric fences for cattle, um, just kind of, like, manage grazing operations, uh, clean clean up the grounds, like, cut grass, you know, cut trees, whatever you have to do to make stuff look nice and keep it passable. 
Yeah, there's there's so much land that has fuel actively on it that people are trying to thin out constantly, especially in these more wet environments like the valleys. Even in that higher elevation, there's definitely a lot of moisture. Oh, absolutely. And honestly, I think biomass is one of the least efficiently used fuels on the planet. Because we have so much that needs to be used and we don't use it. We just let these massive forest fires come through and burn it all up. But if we would have been thinning our forest this whole time, keeping it healthy, we would have an excess of biomass we could use to produce electricity, to heat homes, and to cook with. So I think it's very underutilized. And it gets a bad reputation from environmentalist groups because they just see trees coming down and they're like, oh, that guy's destroying the forest, but they don't understand the whole process behind it and how people that log the forests actually are the ones that usually take the best care of it. Oh, I agree, man. And I mean, what I, I would say, it's safe to say we've been camping about a thousand times in our life, at least. Oh, yeah. And we've, every time I go camping, it's cleaning up the forest. You know, you're you're cleaning up that brush, brush and dead debris. Uh, you you're doing the work with nature. And so I see it. Yeah. I don't. I have never viewed fire as the biggest pollutant of the world. I I don't. I mean, when it's mass fires, of course that's that's devastating. But when it's small campfire controlled environments, it, it's ridiculous what people will the lengths people will go to accusing that as the main source of the issues. Well, what they don't take into account is that when you burn all these dead fuels, you actually end up saving the old growth trees, which support new trees under them. The older trees will actually share nutrients with younger trees. So by not having those latter fuels at the base of these larger trees, you preserve the whole stand of forest for a longer time. And you actually end up storing more carbon than you end up burning. And that makes a lot of sense. Something I wonder is, do those big fires remove the mycelium? I don't really know, but I would assume so because they go through the root systems and ground fires are pretty common. Yeah, really I guess that's true. For a long time. Yeah, it's got to remove that. It. Exactly. Uh, I'm sure... All biological life that's touched by fire is pretty much destroyed. Yeah, yeah, I think you're right. I I, I definitely know it's a fact that fire goes underground like that. Um, I mean, when you're talking that level of heat, there's not much you can do. Yeah, I mean, I don't even know the numbers on the temperatures fires get to, but I'm sure it's in the thousands of degrees. Oh, yeah, easily. It's it's extreme. I mean, the Paradise Fire in, in that area was one of the most crazy fires I've ever seen in my life. Just yep. the, the way it blew through and the, the speed it went through. Like you hear about that, but to actually see and 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 witness stories from people directly in the community about that was definitely life changing when it came to having a plan for fire escape routes and and paying attention to that kind of stuff. Yeah, I would say that year 
and the years since have been very eye-opening for this area. There's a lot of money funneling in to prevent these type of things by doing these thinning projects like I was talking about and burn projects. And we haven't been using fire as a tool until very recently. Forest Service started just stamping out every fire they saw since I think 1915, I believe is when they were started. So it's almost a hundred years of just stamping things out instead of letting low intensity fires come through and clear out the underbrush. Yeah. I believe I heard the other day I was watching a, a video on that fire outposts they have retired across the country and how there's a few fire outposts still active in Washington. Um, this guy was going up there to talk with him and all these fire histories with the forest service, they realized around like the sixties that the fires were really a natural part of this cycle and it couldn't, it was an impossible task what they're trying to achieve. And it always will be. If you try to prevent fire, inevitably it will find a way. Oh, definitely. But with that said, I actually have something to tail back to. Um, on that educational front, what's the biggest factor that you found most intimidating when going through high school and towards the college path? Most intimidating? Um, that's an interesting question. I've never really thought about it that way. I guess I wasn't necessarily intimidated. It's more like lack of time to pursue two paths. The way I saw it was like either I devote 100% of my effort and attention into work or 100% of my effort and attention into school. And at the time, I just weighed it to the point where work came out a little on top. Um, but intimidating, I guess, was the workload. Like, homework every night is, is pretty rough, especially when you already went to school for, like, six hours that day. It's no lie. I mean, the the level of homework load some people would get, I mean, it, there's a reason why they're phasing it out more so. Yeah, I think the learning should be mostly done in the classroom. And if you can demonstrate ability on tests, then... Homework just kind of seems like filler. Like if you can learn at your own pace, I don't feel like that should be penalized. Well, the amount of kids that I've seen just go through tremendous stress over workloads. Yeah, uh, unnecessarily, like to the point where it just hinders their creativity. Like they don't, they don't have the motivation. Well, and that, it hinders everything else about their life besides school. Like you don't have as good of a social life until you really find that balance. Yeah, it's in everyone's situation so different that right. at least that's what it was that, me. Yeah, it, it's it's not I've never thought it's necessarily fair to require that from everyone. It it, it should be accessible, sure. But you know, make it an extra credit thing. Why like Who's to say it ever needed to be standard to run homework like that? Yeah, I agree. Now, if we're talking college, I do agree with homework. That's that's totally fair. But, like, again, it, that's something you choose. In grade school and, and going through, like, 
you have to do that. You're required to do that. So right. it, it's different. But that's that's an interesting uh, response because I just it was something that I know you're you've looked at a higher education and the options of going through that, but like it's similar, honestly, to my experience with it, where I just wanted to focus on the work because that was what was keeping me stable mentally and on track with at the time of what I felt I wanted to do. Absolutely. Actually, I'd like to talk a little bit about like the work-life balance. And yeah, that's been one of my main struggles, actually, is just finding that balance because work I've always seen as a beneficial thing. And it's where I find my peace and I get in my flow state and I accomplish a lot. I network, I make new friends. But you have to value your, your life outside of work just as much. And I've struggled with that. What would you say is the biggest struggle that personally holds you back when it comes to choosing more balance over risk, I'd say? I'd say, I guess it's like feeling non-productive. That's what I struggle with. Like, I really beat myself up when I'm not being productive. And... I feel like every time I'm enjoying my time or having leisure time, I could be doing more. And that's that's a personal struggle. It's unique to me. But I know that some people might relate to that. I very much relate in a sense of feeling uh, almost a sense of self-deprecation because you want to be active and be cognitive, be aware, like be be in the moment, you know, be ready for anything. And I think that's an anxiety I struggle with, actually, with feeling like I'm educated enough, dare I say. Like, yeah, I understand that. Like, I have definitely doubted myself because of my lack of formal education, but I feel like the knowledge I've gained working in the field has brought me to the place I am today quicker than school would have in terms of my mentality towards struggling and a lot of other things, really, which we can get into. Yeah, I, I hear you on that. That's... um. That's a big thing with education, though, that is, I think it should be addressed more at a younger age where, hey, you're going to have a lot of things going on. Like, you need to remember meditation and balance and keeping diet is all related to, like, the same thing. It's your well-being. And if you're not aware of those things, it's overwhelming. The self sense can be overwhelming if you're not being respectful to yourself above all. Definitely. And I think you need to visualize goals and realize that in order to reach those long-term goals, you have to make short-term sacrifices. Yes. 
And that goes with anything, health, your work, whatever you want to accomplish. You have to sacrifice something to get it. Well, and I think that's a perfect way to roll into embracing change and having opportunities to embrace that change. What's something that's brought you to motivate a change, uh, to push towards making that change over staying where you're at? I've been very lucky to have a lot of people around me that see the potential that I could have and have always encouraged me. So I always am aiming higher and that's just how I naturally tune myself. I'm always looking for the next step. But I've also seen a lot of people have a lot of success with risking everything. Like my friend just started his tree company. He started last year, had no business for like the first three months, maybe two or three jobs here and there. And now he's literally refusing calls because he has too much work lined up. That's a huge difference when you take the time to understand the steps you're taking to reach those bigger goals versus judging yourself on the small steps. Absolutely. And I really don't think luck has anything to do with it. I think luck is just the word we came up with to describe like, you know, you got all these skills and you got this opportunity, therefore you're lucky, right? But a lot of people don't have the skills and they're seeking that opportunity or vice versa. They have all these opportunities, but they don't have the skills. Yeah. Yeah. I, I totally understand that. Oh, and, and that's what deters a lot of people from visualizing long-term goals. I think if, um, I think if there's something with long-term goals you could give anyone advice with, um, uh, I, I know <laughs> obviously we're, we're on the younger end of things. So we have a long ways to go on long-term goals, <laughs> but I think it's important to outline how long-term goals affect your approach to the workforce uh, as like leadership goes and, and fitting in with a crew. Yeah, absolutely. I think uh, you have to see yourself as the next step already. You have to start acting like it before you're presented with the opportunity to step up. If you're just, Doing the bare minimum at work, you're never even going to be asked for anything extra. And if that's what you want to operate at, that's fine, I guess. But that's how you waste 30 years of your life, in my opinion, working the same job. And to some people, that is fine. Maybe you have a good situation and you're really good with saving money and you have other long-term goals that aren't work-related. But for me... I want to be able to work for myself by the time I'm like 30. Yeah, and that's a realistic goal. I think more people need to consider when it comes to trade work or having a skill. Just just having a skill. There's no way you can't capitalize on your well-being and success with that skill in mind. If you sharpen that skill the chances that someone's stepping out of the industry or the economy, the moment you're stepping in is relatively high. There's always people going in and out, you know, retiring and, and 
changing professions. So, especially I think, these days. Oh, absolutely. I think it's important to highlight that, especially for the people still in high school listening to the show, that it's not your responsibility to understand how the workforce necessarily works. But the more that you do, the more opportunity that you will start to see there is for you to find something to enjoy. Because you never know until you start looking. Yeah. So at a point, you just got to jump in. You know, you just got to take that first step and and do something risky that you don't know how to do and just be the fool on the work site. Ask all the questions. Like, there's no such thing as a bad question if you actually want to learn. Yeah, and finding good leadership and work uh, through different people, different mentors is a value in and of itself. I mean, some of the guests that I've had on this show personally have been mentors to me and and uh, to Caleb here, actually. We share some friends in, in the network that have huge banks of knowledge that they've been given over time to share, and they love to share. And we've been fortunate to be around people that appreciate knowledge for what it is and respect that you know it's it's meant to be shared it's not meant to just be hoarded and and left to rot so to speak and i think that it's important to realize when you're like stagnating at a job if you aren't learning anything you probably should go apply to another job in my opinion and from personal experience, I mean, I've worked probably 10 jobs now since the time I was 15 years old. And I realized that the more I jump around, the more desirable I become to employers because I have more skills from a more diverse set of backgrounds. And there is something to be said for people that stick it out day in, day out at the same job and enjoy it. Like, that's great. I don't function like that. I always have to be learning something new. So as soon as I get to the point where I know everything about a job, I just feel understimulated and I have to keep pushing forward. And that makes sense to keep your motivation up and actually move into something that piques interest is very smart and wise to do because you're, you're doing something that you're going to get the most benefit out of. You're doing something where you're strong, you know, you're, you're prepared and organized to approach it and collecting yourself. And again, going back to balance of self uh, between knowing your, your own sense of what you want and what you're expected to do and, and operate under. Uh, with the work-life balance. So the biggest thing I think is balancing yourself with the perspective of, of others around you. Because if you don't know what other people are expecting of you, it, as weird as it sounds, like you can never really respect them because you don't know how to respect them. What respect means to them, so to speak. So 
I think that's one thing we can all relate to as humans is philosophy helps connect a sense of yourself between society. Yes, absolutely. Which is one of the reasons that I like to read into Stoicism. I, I would call myself a practicing Stoic, but I definitely am not perfect. You know, I think a lot of people have this ideal of what a Stoic looks like. And it's very unattainable for people that are just figuring life out. Like eventually, yeah, that'd be a great end goal to be unbothered by other people's opinions, to, you know, be strict on yourself and lenient with others, to always chase hardship and, and prosper, you know, like everybody wants to be like that, but it's, it's unrealistic to say that you can just do it overnight. Well, and I think that's the biggest thing with it when it comes to my personal experiences. You will forget about stoicism sometimes, and you can't feel bad about it. You have to just move forward and understand, like, you're thinking about it now. You're moving towards the direction of considering a better choice. And if you're considering a better choice, then you're doing reflection to improve the stance you're taking and that's something with like success um and i know we're going to touch on that subject together in the podcast we're working on pretty soon so i won't dive into it here but there's there's a lot of moral obligations to the self when it comes to what heathers your success to what you're doing, what your character is like. And if you don't understand what you're trying to break down, then you have no basis to improve upon. You're just kind of throwing things in the wind. And that's where philosophy, at least with my personal experiences, built a foundation where I can base my perspective off of something without saying that it's just Christianity or it's just a organized religion. Because to me, life is not about an organization. It's about a perspective. Definitely. And everybody needs to realize their shortcomings, like you're saying, to understand what they need to work through. So you're not going to have the same struggles as somebody else. So you can't following someone else's footsteps. You have to understand who you are first before you work on yourself. And just getting to the point of understanding who you are is a process in and of itself. Yes. And it's not something, like you said, that happens in a day. It's something that happens in a lifetime. And I guess the best way to get there, at least from my experience and opinion, is just to operate with as much honesty as you possibly can and get a diverse range of perspectives and have long-form conversations when you can and really try to get to know people on a deeper level. Exercising your mind is important. And I think it's something that short-form content dispels if you're always looking to receive it. Because it's just a fact that our brains work on neural pathways. 
Yeah, you still got our old dinosaur want. brains. Exactly. It's it's it, we're creatures of habit, deep deep in our core. We have to work actively at forging better habits if you want to see things improve. Yes, because the things you do day to day become who you are. So if you have habits of addiction, such as like scrolling on social media, I struggle with it time to time. I do as well. And I think most people do. It's it's pretty predatory on our natural dopamine system. So it's very natural to get sucked into, but you have to be conscious of that and try to work screen time down, try to moderate all that short form noise that you don't really need in your life. Try to evaluate whether thoughts are actually valuable to you and how they affect you. Because I don't believe that anybody is immune to brainwashing. I think if you hear something enough, you're going to start believing it. Or you're going to at least have a very strong opinion on it. Yes. Yeah, I would agree. And it's kind of like um, something you brought up um, in some of these notes is cleaning your own house. Like, before you tell people, you know, how their house should look, I saw that as metaphor. You know, it's essentially not your job to just go around the world judging people. I think that that is a good rule of stoicism is that you should be lenient with other people and strict on yourself. You can only control your own actions, so... Why would you be strict on anybody else if you can't even follow your own standard? If you're going to have a high standard for other people, you better have at least that standard for yourself. Yeah, that's what I've always loved about it, man. It really focuses on that self-accountability. And it, no matter how many times people talk to you about stoicism, it's really about if you are willing to put in the work to operate at a stoic level. Well, that's, our, that's why I'm such a fan of it. It's not just like, it's all sunshine and rainbows. It's like, no, you got to do hard shit, and you got to do it now. And the sooner you do it, the better off you will be. And something about that just resonates with me, because that's how I've always operated, but I've also done it so sporadically throughout my life, not really knowing what I was doing. No, I, I think it's really important to get to that point where you're willing to break towards a new start because until you get to that point you're you're always kind of stuck in a mindset that maybe isn't the healthiest for you but you would never know until you met a challenge to challenge your stance and that's what happened with me with religion. I couldn't I couldn't keep up. I, I didn't have enough facts. Like, maybe I could have assumed that this fact would have fit the bill um, for a certain situation. But I, I couldn't personally balance my perspective with philosophy of how I view people around me and, and the way I respected people with exactly the accordance of what was asked of me. And... To be honest, I, I, um, I had to separate, and that was out of honesty. I wasn't yeah. about hypocrites in the church, 
and I still am not with with any organization. That doesn't just go for for religion. It's anything. No one likes hypocrites. Why would I want to be one? If I'm going to catch myself thinking another way, I'm going to admit that. And it's it's not easy. And it's a process that you don't have to tell the whole world about. It's something that is a personal journey, and that's what stoicism accepts. Is Look, it's not about how much you went through. It's not about how much you endured. It's what you're doing now. It's what you know you could have endured, what you can endure. Maybe you should prepare yourself. Yes, but also you don't want to get too preoccupied thinking about the future or the past. You don't want to be regretting your past decisions, and you don't want to be dreading the future before it's the time to act. Yeah, balancing your emotions and not pondering on one exclusive thing um, or stance is vitally important so that's a very good point to bring up i'm glad you did bring that up and i think that a lot of people have an opinion that someone who is stoic is is unfeeling and restrained and just like bottling up their emotions or whatever but i think that you still should experience the full range of emotion you just need to understand when your reaction benefits you and when it is detrimental to you and really that's all you can control is the way that you react to situations so that's all you should be able to work on i agree i agree it's i and you know what like something we wanted to touch on was this whole movement you know it's been popular in in recent history with the red pill and, and all the talk with men wanting to basically take initiative, I'd say. Because I, would, I wouldn't I would say everyone that's looking at that kind of discussion is out to be misogynistic. That that would be too far. Yeah, um, Red Pill's an interesting topic. For sure. it, it, it is a very interesting topic, and it's a topic I think, as men, it's important to have because you really should outline, like, what respect means in society to men like it's an important thing to know like it's not being sexist by saying that but as as a man you're you're dealing with a different side that women don't see and there is a side of emotion to that and that hasn't been addressed for a long time in an open environment for some people and that's why it's important to express with one another and and get these perspectives because and the, the reason I bring it up is it it comes from a lack of guidance in our society. Absolutely, I was I was going to mention that I think the red pill is kind of just a movement that is men wanting to take their power back, whatever that is. If that's in the sexual marketplace, if that's in the market if that's just in their own head and they feel like you know the boss of their own life i think that's what the goal was originally but there's all these like i don't know clout chasers for a lack of a better word that are just kind of riding that wave and telling men advice that worked for them 
or just advice that they think would resonate with men. And it's not even necessarily genuine or honest. And I think the leaders are just as lost as the people trying to follow them. I agree with that. Yeah, I, I think that, you know, it's not always the case in some of the leaders' minds, but, I, you know, as, as leaders do, it, if you have a hill that you really stand on, I, I, you know, I can respect that. But if it doesn't make sense socially to do so, then it, should we respect that? Should we should we at least give our time towards it? That's something I've considered. Like, even though that there's all this perspective out there, should I enthrall myself with the current news on this opposite perspective? Not all the time. I it, I had to be realistic with myself on that, and and it, it's like politics. I don't I'll I'll poke here and there to see what's going on, and maybe. Congress, but why would I spend my time actively researching that when I know that most of the things coming out at the level I see is all opinion? And that's really all it is. It's just people wanting to push their opinion on you and make some money off your attention. And I think that it's just a toxic market of clout chasing and attention being like the main focal points because that's what sells ad space, you know? Absolutely. The digital marketplace that we've created, I think has really screwed with our psyche and the way that we interact with each other. Cause we're always trying to get ourselves a foot above person that we're interacting with. Like, what does this person have that I don't have? How could I equalize or become better than them? And that often just comes down to shaming and trying to cancel people and bringing up past things they did. And it's like never productive. I've never seen this work out in a productive no. manner. I think that no, people need to collaborate more and respect each other's opinions more and just listen to each other more than trying to push their opinion. the active life of the outdoors coming up, people are looking to be out and about more. Sasquatch Farms CBD brings organically grown products in the Sierra Nevadas from the soil to the people. Farmer John has worked on green projects on the farm since 2013. He looks forward to providing you with the highest quality soaps, salves, CBD tinctures, pre-rolls, along with some other fresh products. It takes a community and farming to survive, so any efforts made to support our farmers in the world helps to support our society as a whole. So remember, if you can't catch them out on the farmer's market, catch them online at sasquatchfarmscbd.com. That's sasquatchfarmscbd.com. Thank you. Now back to the show. That's really well said. It's really well said. I think uh, that wraps that 
part of the discussion up perfectly. Honestly, it's it's it really comes down to what you take as important and where you feel your energy best belongs. Absolutely. Um, now, something I wanted to bring up is your past work experience. I know that there was a lot of community building that you did. Um, there was a lot of work-life challenges that you came across. And what would you essentially, like, say helped you moderate between all of that? Smoke a lot of weed? No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, definitely you have to keep your emotions in check. And that's why I always kind of circle back to stoicism when I'm talking about deep subjects. Because you don't realize how much of a toll work takes on your emotional state until you have nobody to talk to about how bad your day was. And I've been in that situation before, you know, working night shift, you get home, everybody's asleep, you go to sleep while everybody's awake, and then you go to work while everybody's like hanging out. And you just feel like you're not even, you're kind of just in limbo as a human, you know? You don't have any outlets. But what helped me through that is definitely just emotional regulation and reaching out to people and like being vulnerable, admitting when I needed help. Yeah. Yeah. Admittance of a problem with, I, I keep going back to it, but balance really is a hard step. It's always about balance, though. Yeah, but, you know, we're we're here having this good discussion, and the viewers are here having this discussion with us, and it's honestly healthy for people to come together over topics of relatable subjects. Even just that simple thing is powerful in motivating people to understand that they're not alone, and that there's people out there that are at every single age in the book thinking about how they can improve and do things better a little bit more the next day. I also think that we all have way more in common with each other than we have different from each other. You could find any person on Earth and you probably agree on 90% of issues. And there'd be like 10% that you'd disagree with them on. But I think we'd all agree that we would like healthy communities. We'd like to protect our planet. And we'd like to not be taken advantage of by a global market, which we are being. Yeah. Yeah, I agree with that. It's, it's a very exploitive society when it comes to the production line. And it's something we need to work on as people on this planet together. I mean, it, in my opinion, it doesn't matter where you come from on this subject. We shouldn't have a, a whole generation of people suffering for 
one's game. Like that's that's just terrible. Like when it when it comes to environment of work, like at least that should be as simple as we can get it. And if our some of our top industries are gaining from some of the lowest um you know, lowly communities, like it, it just breaks my heart, like what 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 do we do to where do we go so wrong in this chain of events where i mean it, it all circles around money really yeah people have become dollar signs to the people that own the money and then that's the problem is we know we know exactly what the root is but i i guess making sure that you place true value on things that really are of value and having access to the internet is valuable as think of it as you will it's a tool that is capable of making a a living from and that is something that you couldn't get in past generations it was oh yeah it's revolutionized the the economy for sure the speed at which you can grow a community is is exponential at this point just social media yeah people going tiktok famous for instance it's it may not make that much money but it's making enough noise to where they can generate money outside on the the corners of social media elsewhere like that's that's the generation we live in is this network that we're constantly thinking about and you know if you're not thinking about it you're not normal and that's that's the funny thing is and i say quote unquote normal because when we're talking culture the culture of the 21st century revolves around information if you're out of the loop uh that's kind of abnormal yeah i think that people have kind of a negative reaction to people that distance themselves from social media because we all recognize it's an issue but we all take part in it and if anything we're kind of fearful of people outside of the system because we don't even know what side of the aisle they land on and i think that we've developed culture where there's really only one maybe two acceptable opinions on most topics and Everyone else that has a nuanced opinion on the matter or something outside those parameters is just pushed out of the conversation. And I think that's dangerous because it just leads to people creating their own echo chambers and really radicalizing each other. And it makes the problem just perpetuate. Yeah. It's never good to isolate. And I I really can't add anything to that sentence because... I can't really think of a time where, like, isolation is a level. Isolating yourself is yeah. one thing. But isolation, I feel like, is a whole other can of worms. Where you're, you're putting yourself actively in this state of being away. And choosing a state of disconnection. And that's just asking for trouble yeah 
And I think some people want that. They want the trouble. They want the attention that comes with the backlash. They want to be, I don't know, edgy. And that's part of internet culture. You know, we've always had the people making dark jokes, which have always been pretty tasteless, to be honest. But it's kind of a staple of internet humor. Yeah, I don't I don't know what exactly caused it, the catalyst. I mean, it's a thing that's been, you know, through human history, I'm sure there was sure, plenty any public of, forum. Yeah, there was plenty yeah, of criticism. But exactly now it's like you have the you have that coupled with your anonymity. So you can just say the most scandalous things and there's no backlash directly but, at you. Yeah, and it's been intensified because of its uh, mass popularity and accessibility. Like Hollywood is the first thing that came to mind when when talking about this because it, it you know thinking of the the sad kid gets beat up at high school. And, How many times you know, have we seen the nerd stereotype? Yeah, yeah, like Diary of a Wimpy Kid kind of thing. You know, like where you you just you don't quite get the bar and you're, you're just like Michael in the movie and, and, you know, he's such a relatable character. And I, you know, like it's, it's not to say it's bad to, you know, enjoy a movie and enjoy a story. But if you're just constantly, again, like in isolation, even if it's in mindset and you're just taking in entertainment at the end of the day, you're going to start forming a perspective around pop culture. And Absolutely. That's kind of what we see in society is people are like, well, I can get away with doing this one thing. I can be happy with this one thing. Why would I do other things? I get it completely. I mean, I've said that about gaming. I'm happy with gaming. Why would I, why would I just stop gaming? Like, why not just do this? Well, there's reasons. I want to be other places i want to see other people i want to be able to be active in life i can't sit on my butt and game and, and exercise at the same time sorry it doesn't work <laughs> yeah and it's all about moderation like there's nothing wrong with watching tv there's nothing wrong with gaming but you have to limit yourself and realize when it's becoming a detriment to you Precisely. But i also i also think going back to the hollywood uh I, I think that a lot of those tropes that we see played out you kind of end up internalizing them by consuming that content and not really reflecting on it. And it's, it's the same with music. A lot of like just subliminal things that you start picking up or at least thinking about more. And I don't really think that's very useful because it separates you from your own personal journey of finding your own truth. Yes. Yeah, that's well And put. not to say that everybody has their own like subjective truth that's true for everything. Like everybody has a perspective, but nothing's really true. That's my belief on it. I think that all you can do is provide a perspective. But if you're letting other people influence your perspective, you're not being completely honest or even completely yourself. The truth can change based on a perspective. So therefore like Truth is a perspective. Right. So I agree with you. Like, it's it's like a theory. But you can't There's apply your theory. theory. Yes, you can't apply your theory to other people, though. 
Yes. And I think that's where a lot of people have the disconnect. They're just like, well, this is my truth. So it's your truth. And it's like, no, we all have just as valid of an opinion and perspective. I agree. It's, you know, respect the little guy because you never know when the little guy has a big idea. With something, or going back to your work life experience, have you had any jobs that really pushed your limit? Pretty much all the jobs I've had um, in different ways. So probably the first one that was just like, how am I even doing this was the mill. Because when I was working there, um, I went on night shift and I was running twin saw. There's like two 20-foot vertical band saws that you have to calibrate by hand with a little console. And you have to manually manipulate everything and feed through the timbers at a very specific speed or you'll break your blades. There's just a lot of very technical hands-on. Like You just have to dive in and start destroying things in order to learn, really. That's, yeah, definitely an environment a lot of people wouldn't get along with. And I didn't either. I mean, it's really not, it wasn't a good fit for me. And I ended up just leaving, obviously. But every job has pushed me in a different way, really. And a lot of that is just showing up day in, day out, on time. That's sometimes the hardest part, just getting up in the morning. So if you can show up, you already completed half the battle, in my opinion. That's very true. Yeah, not not showing up is one of the biggest, I almost say, sins you could do do to yourself. Because you start to doubt your own, like motivation. Yes. And once you undermine your own self-confidence and motivation, it's really hard to rebuild that. It's not something that people can really give you either. No, it's earned. Yes. It's hard-earned. Burning bridges, you can't really rebuild most of them. Well, I think something that you wrote here, peace is power, is actually really good tie into this like don't let things get to you and they won't i think that's really well put it's simple but it the message behind that is multifaceted definitely and i mean when i wrote that i was just kind of thinking how to summarize my belief in a sentence and that's really what i came up with because feel like I'm at my best when I'm at peace. And when people start to threaten that peace, I feel like I've been kind of thrown out of whack, you know? I know what you mean, man. It's, and I've known you for a long time. Like we've known each other since we were three or four. Yeah. And it's, you know, it's, it, we definitely grew up in an environment where we had to make some scary decisions and um, step out of the lives we knew in order to just put food on the plate. Yeah. So it's important to know 
how to stand your ground in a way that's not going to destroy you in the process. You have to have some sort of outlet that brings you peace. And a lot of people don't really take the time to find something that really speaks to them on a deeper level. Like we all have hobbies, but a lot of them are pretty shallow hobbies or just you're just doing it because your friends are doing it. But it really takes time to find something that like you will connect with personally. Yeah, man, it's it's a very hard thing to bring peace without others. If you don't have things to be thankful for uh, at the point of life where you're starting to gain independence, then it's like, I feel like you missed the point of education. Like, deep down, the, the point of education is to learn what has been passed on through human society. To a degree, you know, with whatever filter, it's you ultimately are the filter. You interpret what you gain in a sense that you can actively build from. And it's really tough to say that that's fair to have that building while you're going under so much stress from out outside events and and outside circumstances like work or people so like what i'm getting at is if you don't have your own filter calibrated to what you are you know that you're able to handle you're going to be filtering through so many opinions and and stances with things that may not benefit you in the long run yeah and that goes back to what I was saying earlier. Like, you have to realize how things are influencing the way you think, how they're influencing your emotions, and if they actually have any value for you. Because there's plenty of just ideas and opinions that you don't need to listen to. I think in a small community, that's the challenge is when there's self-deprecation at a mass level for a small community then you're most likely going to fit in talking about those subjects. And that's what a lot of people do is they just, they continuously doubt their ability to do more, to do better. Or they just continuously mudsling and and talk crap on other people. And that is also another aspect to it. Absolutely. They find shortcuts to deal with the emotion. And honestly, as a kid, that was like one of the things that was pretty eye-opening to me is that adults don't really respect your opinion as an equal until you have gone through some things and had some shared experiences. And I guess maybe that's why I gravitated towards working more so I could relate to adults more. Yeah, man, that's completely fair. I think it was, uh, like, for me with going into the workforce, I I used to do things 
just side work for a long time and that I think helped boost my confidence for like tackling something harder because I could work around people and like I realized that people weren't the problem it was my confidence that was a problem and it's mostly been the problem even still is confidence it's really really hard to feel like you're making the right choice I'm with you there man it's just part of being an overthinker is all that self-doubt yeah and i i even think i've been i was talking uh with people a lot the last few months about adhd and add i really do think i have add um that's why i'm so finicky and and um fidgety because i it's also why I have trouble remembering some things short term because I not my energy level is different. Like it doesn't interact well with spikes and I don't do well with huge fluctuations. I try to keep balance because it's, it's what I know helps me think. And if I'm at a prime level to think, then I'm operational, I'm productive. And, and I think that's probably where you and I differ the most, actually. Is I function better with the sporadic changes in energy and different tasks to do. And if I sit down and just try to think, my mind kind of just goes blank. I think, yeah, I think... I. Um, I'm not trying to define you here. I, I think that's exactly what I realized. It's like, you're probably not ADD. <laughs> well, I don't know what the distinction is between ADD and ADHD. Is that ADHD is more so like where you're talking and you can't stop talking because you have so much to say. Like, it's more so on the lines of that. Um, and ADD is like where you lack energy to function. Yeah, I don't I don't really relate to either of those. Maybe I'm just an atypical kind of person. Well, the neurodivergent is really the term I should be using too. More so. Because I don't know. But thinking about it and looking at um the research done on it, it was really eye opening because I realized like most of my friends in grade school most likely had ADHD, A D D. And I didn't even realize that. Yeah, because it's who you just ended up vibing with. Because they were people to me. They weren't a case. They weren't a a product of a a symptom. You know, they were they were my friends. Yeah, you don't treat them like a case study, and they they respect you in turn because a lot of people do treat them as if like being different is a bad thing. Exactly. And and that's what blew my mind is like, wow, if I knew this as a kid, I just knew what, how people thought differently, like how we actually were thinking differently, weren't just bad kids, you know? Right. I always thought I was a bad kid, even though I, I could do the, the schoolwork. I, I was never the prime student, you know? Yeah, oh, I, I relate to that for sure. I always felt like... Teachers had it out for me because I was just not fully focused on the material or whatever. But it really just came down to we learn differently. And I learned better by doing things. And 
being tested and pushed beyond my limits. A lot of people don't like being taught like that. And I understand that, which is why the school system is structured the way it is to tailor to those kind of people that kind of need a helping hand the whole time. And that's fine. It's just different styles. There's great benefits to education for all. It's, it should be more adaptive and admit defeat where defeat has happened. And that's the problem we have is that's what we'll continue to have parents striking against schools and teachers striking against unions. Nothing can be agreed upon. And it's, it's sad because really the, the people that need this decision made is the youth. And they, I mean, like us, we, we get got older. We don't stay in school forever. It's something we understand that any, you know, maybe that is part of the journey. We all equally share some, some perspective of the mess. And it does give a perspective of what society is really going through, which is disorder. We're not organized. We don't all agree. And that's probably the biggest truth you'll learn. (laughs) through high school and just that like people don't have the answers everybody's just out here kind of doing the best they can and we only we only learn through hindsight really hindsight's 2020 so you have to just try things but you also have to have discussions and be honest about how things are affecting you in order to change them yeah if you can't understand what's bothering you like then you don't know the root of the problem. Yeah. But I always liked the charter school for that reason. They kind of allowed kids to have some flexibility in the way that they approach their education. Yeah, it's something that gets shunned, you know, because it's not as maybe um, funded. As a public school, you know, maybe they don't have the cool sports teams, but there's definitely a factor of flexibility to it that, you know, if you have a tough home life, like that can be the difference you need from enjoying your education to absolutely hating your life. Yeah. Some people just need the escape at school, too. So public school is valid as well. And it also provides the social structure. I don't think yes. there's anything wrong with wanting to learn at your own pace and wanting to work and do a bunch of other things besides just school. As long as you get your work done. Yeah, staying on track and, and holding yourself accountable is important. If, if you say you're going to do it, like you're your word is your bond, you know, it's, it, people make mistakes, but trying to go in with failure on your mind is never um, something worth practicing in the real world. So why would you try to do that in school? Like, the only person that hurts to cheat is you. I mean, that's the most true thing I've ever heard. Like, yeah. I, I, in school, I cheated. There were times I cheated. Everyone cheated. Then, in at least in the class I was in, right? There were times, you know, you didn't. 
Well, yeah, and, and you know, I'm, I'm talking like grade school, like where we're looking at history books and we're all trying to just get to recess. Yeah. Of course, you know, like you're gonna you're gonna just grab the the thing everyone else has grabbed, and you're not gonna sit there and be the one guy that's, you know, if the teacher already knows it, and they do, they know how kids work. Yeah. The packs flock together, so it's. But you, if you don't get to a point where you're like, this isn't right, I'm not, I'm not understanding what's going on here, like, or maybe you do, and it's it's extremely boring. You should try to challenge yourself then instead of slack off. Yeah. And that's where I started thriving in school, actually, is when I started asking for the next step, you know, like asking the teacher more questions, going more in depth on topics, or just like, I don't know, just engaging more with the content. I felt like it was beneficial for me because I remembered it better. So I have a few questions based on that, too. Yeah. Um, when you went through high school, what was your favorite course? Um, or what? Uh, let me refrain that. What was the course you gained the most out of? Pretty much have the same answer for both of those, actually. And that would be uh, environmental science. Because it just kind of changed my perspective on the way we interact with the world and how everything has an effect, whether you intend it to or not. And just like it was pretty eye-opening seeing all the ways we could utilize the resources on our planet to create energy, but we still rely on like fossil fuels, for example. And just it kind of radicalized me a little bit to uh, the nature of the beast, I guess. Well, and going off of that, who was your biggest mentor in high school? Probably McMorrow. Uh, the teacher of environmental science. He was my science teacher for three years. He did biology, chemistry, and environmental science. And just the way that he would like make the content enjoyable to learn really stuck with me because that's one of the classes I just remember the best. Or all those classes, really. I remember all the information better because of how he taught it. And most teachers don't have fun teaching, it seems like. And I never connected with the content when they don't connect with it themselves. No, it's very true. If they don't look like they're enjoying themselves, why would you want to bother them with more questions? It's exactly. always important to have a smile on your face as a teacher, at least as a student looking in. Like, it, No one wants to see an unhappy teacher. Yeah. You just feel like a burden. You're like, well, I guess I'll do the bare minimum for this person because they hate their life. <laughs> it's like, they yeah, operate like that. Yeah, and you know, it, it it's like that's not teaching kids to stand up for themselves either. If a teacher is getting punked or bullied by their their students, uh, not only should the students like stand up for their teacher out of respect, but you know, it, it's just. It's really giving people the wrong impression of what education should be about. It should be about respect. You're there to improve and, and to have a mutual relationship with others. And the collaborative aspect of school is really one of the best assets. And that's why I'll never say that school is not valuable. 
because you're always going to find people that learn differently and you can always learn from those people. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. That's a very, very well put statement. Well, and the last question I have for you is actually a little bit more on your arborist work. What's the favorite kind of tree um, that you would say you enjoyed working on or working around in all your woodworking experience and why? I definitely enjoy scotch pines. Those are pretty fun to climb, but they're very sappy. I say every tree kind of has unique characteristics. Like some of them are really hard to climb, but really fun to cut, or they smell good when you chip them up, or they turn into a really beautiful slab when you mill them. And I guess I'd, I'd pick like a top three in that sense. I'd probably say duck fir because it's abundant. You can build everything with it. It's very structural. It has a cool pink color to it. It's really easy to work with. And then probably oak. I love oak because it just has really unique characteristic. It always finds the sunlight and twists through the forest to find like the one pocket of sun, you know. And it's a very resilient tree. So I think oaks are really cool, just metaphorically even, in terms of like strength and resilience. Um, and I'd probably say maples too. Maples. You just kind of have to leave them alone. A lot of people chop them, and and that's when you just like cut on a lateral branch, like not at a proper reduction spot at a branch collar. And I know this is all like terminology that doesn't mean anything to non-tree people, but uh, I think it, it's another metaphorical kind of tree that you just let it do its thing, and it'll be the best form of itself. But if you start fussing with it too much, it's going to just become a nightmare that you have to keep fussing with. Yeah, that's interesting. I didn't know that about maples. But no, that's that's a really great three choices. I think uh, I definitely enjoy the oaks. I didn't know most of the stuff about oaks until i talked to you actually you taught me about the the characteristics of them i always thought they were pretty cool after that which is embarrassing to say since i'm irish but (laughs) (laughs) it's true can't know Um, everything man yeah no you can't but but you can't admit defeat and stoicism at least my last point with it is definitely that's the biggest thing I'm thankful for about learning to in, intertwine it with my life is it's given me a sense of understanding for defeat. Yes. And you, you be, you're able to start applying it to pretty much every situation too. You can view everything as a lesson or you can view it as a loss. And I think a lesson is more of a productive way to look at everything. Yes. Yes, by by far. Well, let's move in towards uh, our closing segment. We're actually um, something I wanted to run by you was: Are there any books, forms of media, podcasts you'd like to recommend to anyone? 
I have been on a big sci-fi kick lately. I've been reading uh, Hyperion by Dan, Dan Simmons. That's a pretty good one. Uh, I just finished Dune. That was another really good one I would recommend. And besides that, I'd just say, like, get long-form nonfiction content as much as you can, especially about topics you're interested in. Like, for me, that involves nutrition. It involves a lot of technological advancements, mythology, philosophy. I love learning about that stuff. So I just try to consume content in a related vein. Um, One podcast I would recommend is the Daily Stoic podcast. It's a really good one. Uh, Ryan Holiday kind of just has a whole bunch of guests and they all talk about different aspects of stoicism and how they interpret it in their own lives. And I think it's a very valuable thing for anybody to dive into. Yeah, Ryan Holiday is awesome. That's a... Someone I'd love to interview down the road. Oh, would be a really cool person to interact and have group discussion with on stoicism, especially with the writers he's interviewed. Yeah, I agree. Um, now, uh, with Dune, I actually wanted to ask you about this since you mentioned that. What was your favorite part of Dune? I like how... It's kind of a, I don't know, it's very deep. It's like, it, it teaches you, well, I don't want to spoil it for people that haven't read it. But yeah, yeah, don't spoil it. <laughs> yeah, this don't don't, don't a, make them hate you. This isn't much of a spoiler, I guess. It's just like, the. I don't even really know how to phrase it, to be honest. I guess it's kind of like different backgrounds can still fight for the same cause. I guess that's that's what I would summarize it as. And you don't have to relate to somebody to help them on their journey. Uh, that is a cool aspect. I really want to read Dune. And that didn't spoil anything for me, so... Yeah, that was as vague as I could have made it. <laughs> I, know th- I know that's true, because Dune is definitely a deep book. And you can... It's really one that you can just keep revisiting to with different perspective. And I'm glad I took time uh, before I read it. I didn't read it until last year. And I'm glad I did. Wait. Yeah. Yeah, it's that, that packed full of uh, metaphor lessons. Yeah. I, I would say there's a lot of metaphors you could take from it. But really, reading is just about how you interpret it anyway. That's true. People are going to get something different from the same content sometimes. Yeah, it's an art form, that's for sure. Language is an extension of ourselves. Absolutely. Well, podcast is a good extension of language. Yeah, it's true. Is uh, here and there as it can get. It's fun and all the chaos that it brings to have different discussions of variation and size and length. It's always yeah. a blessing in disguise, you know? I mean, this you never know what time, you're going to gain. This is my first time doing something like that, too. So I'm sure it, it's pretty choppy, but... I'm proud of you for doing it, man. You, you, you have uh, facilitated some really good discussion today, I think, and 
we've had a really good talk here and I actually wanted to give you the chance to have a closing statement to the audience if there's anything you'd like to uh, present. Well, I think good conversation takes two people. So appreciate you for having me on and contributing to that conversation. I appreciate that. But yeah, just I'll circle back to the the quote that you put forward from me earlier, that peace is power. Don't let things get to you and they won't. And I just think if you take that as a mantra, however you want to take that, however you find your peace, however you define power, I think just knowing that all you can control is your reaction is very important. That's well put. It's important. And it's a lesson that many struggle with. It's not as much peace as there could be in this world. But if we help each other build solid foundations, solid roots, there definitely could be an improvement towards inner development. Self-peace. That's something we can help facilitate. What I love about philosophy, it can bring healing. Yes. And I think really all that you can do is apply things on a personal basis and lead by example and hope that other people catch on. Also very well put. I think that's, that's a great place to wrap this up. And honestly, I... I'm thankful that you're on the podcast panel we're working on. Um, for those that haven't heard, we're developing a new 10-man uh, show where we have nine people on a podcast panel and like a 10th guest. And uh, we'll have more guests down the road as well and, you know, what, what fits the narrative of that week. But we're going to be releasing announcements on that very soon this next week on recording times and release dates. So keep your eyes peeled and uh, your ears perked and we will get that to you. But I, I appreciate you being here today, Caleb, and, and taking the time out of your day to demonstrate what you've gone through, what your perspective is with different side of society that others may not know. So I appreciate that. Appreciate you for having me. And this has been the World Networking Podcast. I hope you guys have a great day and enjoy the sunshine out on this Sunday. Thank you so much for taking the time to join us today on the World Networking Podcast. It's been a pleasure having this show and doing this episode today with Caleb was definitely eye-opening for what we have in store for the bigger bigger show ahead and the bigger moments ahead that are going to come up in discussion and in various degrees of focus, absoluteness, and accuracy. There's going to be a lot of levels of knowledge and definitions and situations that really come up through our project that are going to be very interesting to break down and work through together. And that's something I very much look forward to and look forward to addressing when it comes to what we as people can bring to a table, even if we may not know. Everyone has their own value to bring when it comes to knowledge. But 
having the patience to build up that knowledge bank is another story at times. I'm hoping that we'll have enough patience with the audience and the audience will have enough patience with us to make something really special and valuable, worth listening to for you, the audience, and for us, the, the creators. We really want to bring you something quality and it's something we've all looked forward to and developing for you. And I really just hope that if there's anything that comes up and you guys have any suggestions that um, you'd like to bring up, just let us know. Contact us in the email below. Contact us through that Discord. We'll be happy to answer and talk with you and do the best we can to provide a valid solution. Well, this has been the World Networking Podcast. Though this is a little longer of an intro and outro than we're used to, but just wanted to get on the same page with everyone and give people a fair heads up when it came to the future plans of the show and the future endeavors of some of our other projects. I do hope that you join us for the next one. This has been Cameron with the World Networking Podcast. Signing out.